Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about life, culture, and politics in Israel. Welcome, everybody. I'm Michael Unterberg with another very special episode of our podcast, and I'll tell you why it's special in a minute. Our topic for today is going to be a classic Zionist debate, and we feel that very often in discussing current events, issues, and debates and topics, we sometimes leave out these classic debates that are still so relevant and shed so much light. And so as educators, we're a little bit nerdy, and we like to go back to more historical topics of debate. And today's is going to be the classic debate between Theodore Herzl and Achad Ha'am, Asher Ginsburg. I will be representing Achad Ha'am. Matt Lippman will be representing Theodore Herzl, and we will have that debate, this time moderated by our special guest moderator, an educator in various schools of higher learning here in Jerusalem, a student herself studying higher learning in Kolel Dea at Midrash at Lindenbaum. Uh, her name is, am I getting this right? Avigail Nuriel, Unterberg Nuriel, is that? That's it. I'm impressed you pronounced it correctly. Unterberg, it's a hard name. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. a little bit weird to, Yeah. <laughs> As as our moderator, are you going to be comfortable calling me Mike instead of Abba? Or I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I think I think we got this. Okay, good. Because yeah. I think it would be weird if you said, "Okay, Abba." Yeah, it just is... feels a little unprofessional. It doesn't. So we'll, we'll stick with Mike. Yeah. So just call me podcast. Mike for with the your per- permission. Oh, sure, certainly. I think I think it makes a smoother podcast. Yeah. You can call me Mister no Lipman if you want. Oh, sure. <laughs> don't call him Abba. That would be that <laughs> no, would that'd be weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. too weird. I don't think I'll confuse that. Yeah. So you got the gist of it. You're a regular listener. Yes, long-time listener, first-time moderator. <laughs> Very excited to be here. Okay, um, and, I'm handing over to you. All right. And as uh, somebody who is very interested in Zionist history and its implications on modern Israeli identity, I'm actually very excited to hear your thoughts on this important topic. So without further ado, Mr. Lippman, please uh, start <laughs> us off. <laughs> That's my father you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so I'm here to represent the view of Herzl. And I think... There are lots of different ways we, we could go about this. could talk about some of Herzl's writings and some of the things that inspired Herzl and how he inspired other people and what he did. And we could go through all that sort of biography of Herzl. And that's in itself fascinating and interesting to think about the different stages in Herzl's journey almost and how his Zionism evolved and some of the challenges that there were to it and, and all the different sorts of things that we do as educators that we think about evolution of ideas and development of ideas and when practical events happen and how people responded to those and that sorts of things. But the bottom line for Herzl is he believed the Jews needed their own uh, their own state. And I think we would almost call that sort of physical Zionism because they needed to have their own safe haven. They needed their own place where Jews could go as a response to anti-Semitism as a response to Jews not quite fitting in anywhere else because Jews as a national group, as Herzl expressed that Jews are a national group, not a religious group. And that's one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and we discuss a lot in our classes, the idea of Jews being a national group. And when you're a national group living in somebody else's homeland, you don't quite fit. And so Herzl very much believed that Jews needed their own place to do that. How he saw that happening practically, he published different essays and books about it. The most famous one at the beginning of his ideas was this, was the Jewish state, um, in which he basically said, Jews need to go somewhere else and not be part of European culture and European countries and go to their own place and set up their own society and set up their own functions of government and their own economic uh, systems and that sort of thing. 
And at the time, people were like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. How are you going to get Jews to go anywhere that's not where they're from? He said, no, that's the point. That's where they're from. They're from a different place. They need to have their own place. And without having an, their own place, they can't be safe in the countries where they live. So somebody, and, and, and Mike's going to come to this, I'm sure, when he talks about uh, when he talks about Adam, but the debate, the, the sort of way that I would frame the debate is, is it physical safety that Jews were most concerned about or was it spiritual safety? And when we talk about spiritual safety, we don't mean sort of sitting on a hilltop meditating, thinking about God in, in a religious sense, but it's more like what is the essence of, of the Jewish people? What is the culture of the Jewish people? And again, in a national sense, not in a religious sense. And that debate of physical safety versus spiritual safety is the one where Herzl would say, listen, you can't have anything else until you have physical safety. It's the Maslow model, almost as educators, mm -hmm. we think about the Maslow model. If you're worried about some, somebody coming to set fire to your shtetl or somebody coming to beat Jews up just for being Jewish, you're not going to be able to have any other sense of Jewish Jewishness, Jewish wholeness, wholeness, if that's the right word. So that has to be the the starting block for that, that you have Jewish safety. And the way you have Jewish safety is by having your own Jewish country. And and, and what was interesting was when I was doing some uh, research for this, uh, for this podcast this morning, an analogy I found, and I'm going to be interested to hear Mike's reflections on it because Mike brings very good analogies to these conversations, mm. was about making a cake. And the analogy that the person giving was that you need two things to make a cake. You need a tin to put the cake in, and you need the the batter. And Herzl was about the tin, that without the tin, if you just poured the batter straight into the oven, you would just have a big sticky mess everywhere and nothing would be cohesive and it wouldn't work. And what Adam was about was the ingredients. What kind of cake are you making? And in order to have that cake, actually, if you just put an empty tin in the oven and then you took out an empty tin and said, hey, everybody, enjoy the cake, they'd be like, well, what is this? There's nothing to eat here. So it's that sort of analogy. But for, for me, I believe that Herzl's idea of needing to have a structure and a tin and a place for Jews to go is absolutely uh, the number one priority. Because once you have that, then you can start to talk about all the cultural aspect and the essence of the Jewish people and the spiritual essence of the Jewish people. That's great. But until you have a safe place, a place where Jews can be Jews, then, then what, that doesn't mean anything. So that, that's how I would sum up the Herzl side of, uh, of the argument. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we'll get to follow-up questions after. But first, Mike, will you please present Achad Am's position? Sure. I think you, you set me up so nicely, Matt. That was very thoughtful. You didn't just... Uh, <laughs> You, you gave me a nice segue. I, I like that analogy. I think, let me start off by saying that Asher Tzvi Ginsburg was a Jew who grew up in a, in a religious background who became secular like so many Jews, certainly fewer in Western Europe at the time in Germany or France. They often grew up more assimilated or Orthodox. But there was a, in the East, in Russia, there was this rising tide of Jews who were educated religiously, but then became aware of the broader world and 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 still had a in many ways a more traditional Jewish identity. And Herzl was from that Western world that grew up pretty thoroughly assimilated, but with a, a pride in being Jewish, but without a lot of knowledge of Jewish life and culture. Achad Am grew up with a deep knowledge of Jewish life and culture, secularized, and his great concern was that's what Jews are going to do in modernity. Herzl's concern was as you know, sort of guest nation within, a, you know, a guest minority in a greater nation, ultimately we're going to be pushed out. We don't have a safe place to be, as Matt explained. Chara'am said, 
we're not going to be able to maintain identity if we all secularize and there's nothing to replace the religious element that binds the Jewish nation together. In other words, he agreed with Herzl that, that the Jews are a national entity. But that entity keeps together and survives because of its connection to the culture. A nation is a land, language, and culture. And just as he fought for a reviving of the Hebrew language and a, and a reconnection to Hebrew as a national language, he also said that it's the culture. And to to use your you know your 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 baking pan analogy, the land is is part of it. But you're not a nation without the language and the culture. And what he really felt was let, let, let's. Let me acknowledge that he made one huge error, which was he said, Herzl's so worried about anti-Semitism. There's nothing new about anti-Semitism. We've always had pogroms and blood libels, and that's a horrible thing. But it's not going to threaten our existence where we live. Turns out he was really, really wrong in Europe. (laughs) It turns out that by 1945, we realized how wrong he was. But from his perch, as by the way, before Herzl, really kind of the leading thinker of the Zionist world— and you know, you always have to wonder how much of a personal vendetta there was in a Hada'am rejecting Herzl of like, whoa, everybody suddenly, he's suddenly the big shot and I'm, what happened to me? Nobody's listening to me. To the extent today that people who care about Israel don't even know who he was anywhere. He was the sort of intellectual hero of the Zionist world till Herzl came around. And I think he's often misrepresented as being against the idea of Jewish statehood. He he specifically says he's not. But sometimes in the contrast with Herzl, he gets pushed a little too far on the side. What his concern was, was this. It is unrealistic that millions of Jews are going to pick up from where they live and go to Israel. What we need is enough Jews who care about Jewish identity to create Jewish settlement in what was then Palestine so that we have this nucleus of Jewish culture and identity and language. So that wherever you live in the world, you will have this light of Jewish thing that connects you. That your Jewish identity will stand out for you because there is now a Jewish people in what will eventually be called Israel that sort of makes you have to confront Jewish identity. And here, as wrong as he was about predicting the Holocaust, here I think he was deeply prophetic in that wherever you live in the world today as a Jew, Israel is absolutely part of your identity. You may not be happy with that. You may be very happy about that. You may be somebody who goes on birthright trips. You may be somebody who joins Jewish Voice for Palestine and is anti-Israel. But there's no question that Achad Am is right. By building a nucleus of the Jewish people here in Israel, building a culture that is clearly influenced by the world around it, but yet also is independent, that launches its own, you know, musical presentations to Eurovision, that that will create, that will be the nucleus of a renaissance. He wasn't against statehood. He just said that if you emphasize statehood over everything else, if you only talk about the pan, then what is even the point of talking about the pan? You're not going to have a cake. And he felt that Herzl as an individual didn't understand Jewish life and culture. Herzl as a novelist predicted that the spoken language of Israel or he didn't know what the state would be called, but in Old Neuland, Herzl predicts that the, the, the language of the street in the Jewish state will be uh, German. So Herzl wasn't always a perfect prophet himself. But Achad Am's like, it has to be Hebrew. It has to be Hebrew. The holidays have to be Jewish. Whether you're religious or not, the national identity, that cake is made of language and culture. And so he felt that by turning, and, and here Achad Am was was accurately reading the, the room, 
Everybody's getting behind Herzl and his political national agenda, his statehood agenda, and nobody's paying attention to prioritizing building cultural institutions where Jews can build a revived Jewish culture. That's what Achara Am was talking about. That's what he said is going to preserve Jewish identity into the future. And that's where he he really vehemently disagreed with Herzl's agenda. Okay, thank you. So I have one follow-up question for each of you, and then I actually have a follow-up question for both of you. Mm. Um, so I wanted to, Matt, give you an opportunity to defend Herzl a little bit. Did Herzl have a vision for a Jewish state in a sense that it's not just another European state that happens to be in the land of Israel, but was there any way in which Herzl saw the future of the Jewish state being uniquely Jewish or having a uniquely Jewish character? Or did he think that a state was really enough and a state just like any other European state would solve the Jewish problem? Uh, and if the former, then in what way would this future Jewish state have a Jewish character? Okay, so, so you're actually asking a question which many people have asked as well. Right? Like, mm -hmm. what, How Jewish was Herzl in his own life and how Jewish did Herzl see the state being? Right? I mean, yeah, it's a great question. So one of the criticisms that Haram said, exactly as Mike said, was you've sort of forgotten about the Jewish thing. You're just saying, let's have this tin with nothing in it. I think that's an unfair representation of Herzl, because even if you want to take like Old Nightland, there are parts of it where there's uniquely Jewish ritual happening. There's uniquely Jewish days, calendars, that, that sort of thing happening. So to say that he saw it being the same as Paris or, or Vienna or whatever, I, I don't think is fair at all. Did but he... it's not totally unfair that he's, that he, in his novel of what the future of the Jewish state will be, it's like a Jewish Vienna. And the religious figures are like Ben Gvir, radical. Sure. But the, the, Jew, the Jewish Vienna is Jewishy enough mm -hmm. that it's different from Vienna, yeah. right? It may not be the Jewishiness that we have today, but it's certainly more Jewishy than I think people give him yeah. credit for in that sense. Because, right, as you say, if it was going to be exactly the same as Vienna, well, what's the point, right? Yeah, it's not about thing. Christmas, it's about Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A Vienna where the Jewish, yeah. Which some people would even make the claim is what Tel Aviv today, for example, looks like. I don't, again, I don't think that's a fair, uh, a fair claim either. So in that sense, I think Hutzel was more Jewish than people give him credit for. But yes, again, it comes to sort of building blocks, right? Like if you don't have your own place, you can't have your more Jewishy Vienna than Vienna, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of thing. You have to start from the beginning. The beginning is let's separate Jews out, have them, well, that sounds bad. Let's have Jews <laughs> go to their own place. And then from there, they can bring the things which are uniquely Jewish to them, which I think would be different from, which is different from Adam, because that idea was, what are you going to pour into it in order to get there sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different process. Um, and it was interesting, Mike, that you mentioned the Eurovision thing, because mm -hmm. that's something I, something I was thinking about on my way here this morning, about how does that tie in with that whole idea of Adam and Jewish culture? And I don't know. You think about Noah Carell's song. Noah Carell is this Israeli superstar who's who's performing representing Israel. Israel Eurovision. And you, firstly, her song is in English. Mm -hmm. There's like two lines in Hebrew about Ani Kulam or Anachnu Kulam yeah. or something. The rest of it's in English. So you think, okay, well, what what is so the linguistic part is missing for mm -hmm. sure. And the culture, I have the power of a unicorn. Uh, okay, maybe that's Jewish because we talk about people's strength and their inner abilities to do it's things. A stretch. It's a real stretch. Right. I don't know that Herzl or Haram could have envisioned the globalization that we have now and the cross-cultural yeah. borrowing that happens. 
and certainly are not performing upside down in the music video and right. things like that. So Akharam <laughs> would not have been happy. That would not no, satisfy. I, I don't think yeah. so either. So that's to answer the, 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 the question there. Does that answer the question? Okay. And then uh, my question for you, Mike, is about you, Matt, were kind of, were start, or almost leading me into the question. Something else that differentiated Herzl and Achara Am was their view for the role of diaspora Jewry. Whereas Herzl envisioned all of diaspora Jewry getting up, moving to Israel and being part of this Jewish state, Achara Am wanted the Jewish state to be a beacon for the diaspora Jewry that mm -hmm. certainly would exist. Mm -hmm. So my question is, now with Israel having the plurality of the Jewish population and probably with the way demographics are trending, eventually we'll have the majority, if not the vast majority mm -hmm. of the Jewish world population. What do you think Achara Am would envision as the role of the Jewish presence in the land of Israel with that sort of lack of a diaspora Jewry? Well, I mean, again, his big mistake is just thinking he just wasn't uh, uh, accurately understanding the the scale of the emergency. And so his timeline is different than Herzl's. Herzl's not stupid. He didn't think that millions of Jews were suddenly going to pick up. He just thought the pace would have to be faster to rescue them from whatever bad was coming in Europe. Achara Am just felt the pace would be slower. But I don't think Achara Am thought that the diaspora would last forever. In other words, he eventually saw this as a way to sustain diaspora communities through the slow transition to where one day, you know, more or less what we're seeing today, where the where the the center of gravity of Jewish life can't be Russia anymore. It has to be, it has to be our homeland. And so uh, uh, he doesn't make such long term projections that I remember in reading him. But the to me, reading the implications and within the world that he lived, the idea is that, that by moving the center, that's where things now the gra gravity brings people. There and so Aliyah, there would be a natural gravity for the Jewish people, not only sustaining them but also ultimately pulling them. I don't know that he would he would have been offended by the Declaration of Independence saying everybody, including desperate Jews, should be working towards the ingathering of all the exiles. He, he wasn't against ingathering all the exiles. He just said, "What's the rush? If it takes a hundred years, two hundred years." That's what it's going to be. So I don't think he'd be surprised by today's mm -hmm. demographic or by today's demographic projections. And does he talk about a global vision for the role of Jewish culture or just a national, like what it means for the Jewish people or what? He doesn't, he doesn't know. That's why right. he's talking about a renaissance. In other words, it can't be based on, in modernity, you can't get people to change their lifestyle based on feeling commanded by God that God gave a set of commandments at, at Mount Sinai, and therefore that should direct, you know, how I get dressed in the morning. He said, that's just not sustainable. But there is, there has to be something to take that place, and that is national identity. You know, and the fact that 97% of Israelis go to a Seder, and 64% of Israelis read the entire classic Haggadah at their Seder. It's not because 64, 97% of Israelis meticulously, religiously oriented. They don't practice at that level. But once a cultural event comes around, and 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 he argued that that's that 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 sense of Jewishness. In other words, the the impulse behind birthright, that the way to keep diaspora Jews connected to their Jewish identities is somehow just bring them into Israel, show them around Israel, and it'll give them this sense of specialness. That That's sort of what he's getting at. I don't know if I'm exactly answering your question, but I don't know that he gets clearer than that because he's not, he doesn't know how that Jewish culture will evolve. He just knows that it can only begin to evolve in its own 
setting and context. And so he wants he wants to kick off that process. And then he wants leaders working on that process. He wants leaders thinking about that process. And he was right that the focus on the Herzlian agenda meant that there were fewer, there were people working on it, but they they fall to the to the to the balcony where the real orchestra is playing. Mm-hmm. So I I I think he is being humble in not saying what it will look like, but just saying that that's the project that needs to be worked on. Okay, thank you. I also think it's interesting when you mentioned the term globalization before, in terms of this idea of the language and culture of Jews, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he could have predicted that so many Jews around the world today don't speak Hebrew. Because if the culture that's coming from Israel, it was inevitable if it's coming from Israel that it would be in Hebrew, right? Hebrew literature, Hebrew uh, plays, Hebrew music. But so many Jews around the world do not understand basic Hebrew. I think it's the reverse, Matt. I think that's exactly what he feared would happen. So his fear is right, but how how would he have gone about remedying that then? He said you have to build a strong Hebrew-speaking community right. that, that keeps the Jews in the diaspora at least aware of and wanting to have some connection to Hebrew. Without a Jewish center in Israel mi- reviving Hebrew, then it's just going to get worse and worse, and the diaspora Jews will lose their connection to Hebrew entirely. At least now, they're aware that they're supposed to have a connection to Hebrew, and they tune in enough Hebrew to be able to understand what's going on in Israel to the extent that they do. But the fact that it's not—you're right, it's not working as well as he had hoped, Mm -hmm. but it is working—the fact that that Jews in the diaspora do connect to Hebrew in any way, I would argue, is a validation of Achad Ha'am's concern. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so now we're, we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, I wanted to open up sort of what I think is the question of this conversation, which is what are the implications of this old Zionist debate on Israeli society today or Jewish conversation today? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoever feels ready to begin. <laughs> only 10 minutes we have left? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that the obviously the framework of that question has changed, right? Because of the reality that we live in today where we do have a state. So we have a state that's generally considered to be secure and mm-hmm. safe place for Jews. We have that. And that's obviously a very different context to the debate than right. was happening 120 years ago, which means that almost like Herzl's vision came true. We have a Jewish state. Yeah. We have a safe haven for Jews. So then the question becomes, okay, are we now ready? The way I was presenting it before is like that Maslow model. We have the safety. We mm-hmm. have our, our safe mm-hmm. haven. Are we now ready to to move on? Or has the culture already evolved. The pan's just sitting there. Right. And But I would say that, yeah, the culture has already, the, the ingredients have already been poured in. I think the batter has been poured in. And in that sense, I think that what we have to now decide to do is how do we go forward to create even a stronger sense of culture? We have the Herzl bit. Do we have the Hadam bit? And I would say we, not in its entirety yet, in the impact you wanted it to have on world jury. Mike, you mentioned birthright, right? That That's an example of using Israel as an anchor for Jewish people around the world to bring them something that's that's attractive about being Jewish. Wow, look at this. It's Israel. It's amazing. What a wonderful place we have. That's one way that that Hadamian, if that's the right word, vision has, has come true. And I, I was talking we were talking off air before we started, was I had some uh, students that were talking about the various Israel trips that they've been on. One came on with an with an Orthodox organization. He said they brought us here, but they really just talked about Jewish, what it means to be Jewish, 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 Jewish without any real emphasis on Zionism or why Israel was special in its own right, as opposed to being a place where we could be more comfortably observant of Judaism. Whereas another student said he came on a different program where the focus was getting to grips with Israeli society and meeting Israelis 
and talking about Israel. So to me, that sort of was almost that debate again, mm. that interesting idea of what is Israel meant for in the context of diaspora jury and, and, mm. and how does that play in? So I don't know if I've answered your question, but I think I've added to your question, more <laughs> questions and answers maybe. Um, I guess what I would say is obviously, I, I agree with your framing that Herzl's goals were achieved and the Am's arguably are in process. They're certainly not, I, I think that his goals were loftier and more uh, difficult to say I've reached the finish line because he's talking about creating this ongoing process. And what, what I really think is what's what's holding back the process to a certain extent is that we seem to be having these conversations inside our own little bubbles. The religious Zionists are having it within their bubble, and the the ultra-Orthodox Haredim are having it in their bubble, and traditional in there, and, and secular in there. And we think that this isn't a conversation we should be all having together. And there are a minority of Israelis who are saying, no, this is this is a, what is Jewish? What is Judaism? What is What is the culture of our nation? And you're having a bit, the beginning glimmers of a renaissance. You have secular houses of study where Jews who aren't committed to ritual observance but do want to learn rabbinic text, which was long seen as worthless by early Zionists. You know, what do we care what, about these diaspora documents? They have nothing to tell us. The Bible is the story where we, you know, we're, we're bringing back biblical times. And now there is in Israel, among many Israelis, a sense of, well, no, our, our diaspora journeys and our diaspora literature still has much to inform us. And to the extent that we can get out of our bubbles and that can be a conversation, the more I think we are all enriched, the more we can learn from each other and grow from each other without without a sense of, you know, I, I mentioned before the humility of Achad Ha'am's. I, I do think we have to approach each of us from whatever corner of Jewish culture we, we, we hail from, have to approach with the humility of, I have something to learn from everybody's contribution. And when I open my mind that way, what I've found and what others have found is that, well, then people actually are willing to listen to you. And so you can, that's, you, you, you have the most influence when you have the least power. And so much of the Israeli conversation is about demographic political power of my group versus your group, that we don't often enough have the conversations about what are we building here and why are we, what do we want it to be? That to me is the is the future going forward? We'll have to have those conversations. Either we'll have them literally as conversations or the dynamics of Israeli life will, will ultimately lead to our building these situations together. So I say lean into it. Let's, let's, let's have the Achada Am. I agree. I think we've got the Herzl agenda down. Now let's openly engage in the Achada Am conversation explicitly as much as possible, which is why I think topics like this are so important. I think the more we recognize that that's the missing agenda, the better future we have as Israelis and Jews. Okay, amazing. I think that's a, a great, empowering note to end on. Uh, so thank you to our uh, panelists, participants in our conversation <laughs> slash debate. That was more of a conversation. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Matt. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Afrika, for joining us. Thanks, My Afrika. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Israel Conversation by the Massa Leadership and Impact Center. In everything we do, we hope to connect our fellows to Israel as home, that our Massa fellows will feel at home in Israel and understand more about Israel and all of its diversity. 
We connect our fellows to Jewish peoplehood, to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people. The connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development. And in the case of this podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful to.